Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, fuckers. So, if you've been listening along to all this relational talk for the past few months, you may have been thinking, Sounds great. I would love to have fulfilling, trustworthy relationships that appease some of the emotional and social loneliness we talked about back in January. But only in my wildest fucking dreams do other people stop, recenter, reconnect with their true, full, authentic selves, and re engage healthily after conflict examining their own deepest wounds and owning up to them, challenging those early learned patterns instead of projecting them onto me. Yeah, fucking right. Or, yeah, it would be awesome to mutually fully commit to riding the highs and crushing lows of vulnerably relating to someone consistently over time for our own healing. But I can't say I'm willing to consciously commit to anybody without knowing what the fuck they are bringing to the table on a subconscious level. What's really under that goddamn tabletop that I'm not seeing before I jump into saying this is forever. Well, you know, as it goes... You are not alone. I'm right here with you. As helpful as this research has been, and seriously, the episodes from June have actually come into use in the real world about 10 times over, I also have to say, but not with everyone. (laughs) There are some people who aren't going to be introspective, self-reflective, or accountable. It's not their MO. They can't stop and check internally to find out what they're projecting onto the situation and then proceed again with self-responsibility for mishaps. 
there's too much inside of them that has never been dealt with to take that long, deep stare into their own dubs. They cannot go there. The protective parts of their system won't allow them to, or they just outright refuse. Instead, a lot of people will continually force the issue to be external. You will always be the problem, so they don't have to think about their contributions to the problem or the roots of those contributions, which are so painful that they've avoided touching them for a lifetime. And therefore, all of this mutually healing together thing, uh, maybe a bit of a lofty goal and or a dangerous proposition. So this month I'm proclaiming, hey, that's all real nice, but um, it actually helps to be able to somatically and cognitively gauge what seems to be inside of someone, you know, before you're neck deep in a parts war that has no hope for a lofty, idyllic, healing treaty between you, before you're so enmeshed emotionally, mentally, financially, and obligatorily with someone that you are trapped in an abusive situation, before you set yourself up to commit entirely, no matter what, and end up justifying all their goddamn bullshit and taking it on your own head. Or before you completely exit the relationship you're already in because you just can't understand the unpredictable personality switches that this fucker goes through. You really want to know what you are signing up for before you commit or what you're truly working with now on their end already. Am I right? I'm saying, if all of this talk about parts and deep internal subconscious wounds being the root of our relational issues is real, great, that's awesome. But don't we all need a way to gain a little inside view of our potential and current relationship partners, no matter what that relationship may be, so that we can decide if they seem safe for us to engage with, if they seem self-accountable, and uh, generally free of completely malignant parts that simply will not jive with our own past histories. So we can decide if it's even going to be fruitful to stay committed so you continue to put up with regular tumult triggers and trauma replays. I don't know. I mean, call me a relational skeptic. <laughs> I certainly am. But I say, uh, yeah, we kind of need to know what's in there before we sign ourselves up to keep dealing with it. Full commitment to a sinking ship might seem honorable if you're a violin player on the Titanic, but is that what we're really aiming for in our life experiences moving forward? Nah, fuckers. If that's what we're setting our sights on, I think we'd be happily complicit members of our families of origin forever. We probably wouldn't be here learning about developing better brains and better relationships. But uh, 
I can't say that there's a ton of peer-reviewed research in that direction. How to detect unseen parts of people to decide if they're going to rail us in the long term doesn't produce good search results. So this month, everyone in the private podcast and community membership has been hearing from my damn self, reflecting on these very issues and what I've learned about them so far. Uh, side note, I'm tempted to say sorry that anyone would hear from me in a place where they literally pay to hear from me. <laughs> uh, trauma. It's so fucking dumb. So anyways, this month, we're focusing on picking up clues and our own bodily cues about other people so we can make some self-informed de determinations about how safe and sunny this relational outlook really is. As always, I have to give my favorite caveat. I've researched plenty of shit and healed plenty of my own as well. But I don't know. It's just one perspective. Always chomp on that grain of salt, fucker, and decide what seems right to you from the inside out. Always remembering, of course, that many of the things we'll be detecting and hypothesizing about in other people is really a reflection of us and or the people that we've dealt with before. And this is the second caveat for everything I'm about to say. As often as we're looking outwards at others, we also need to be turning around to examine what patterning might be driving those observations and emotions about those observations within ourselves. We are not here to diagnose or heal anyone outside of our own goddamn brains. It's not a good idea to decide you figured other people out without giving the situation time and effort. And I'm never recommending ever that you tell other people about themselves or their trauma histories. That's a surefire way to get their self-defensive parts riled at you rather than looking internally at them. In fact, it'll prevent that second part. All right, danger words aside, let's get to the real point of this post. Let's talk about ways to possibly read people's subconscious programming so we can decide if they are good potential matches for our subconscious programming or if they're going to crush us faster than a billionaire-funded toy submarine. Merp. So, first up this month, we're talking about how we can feel out other humans with our trauma histories definitely in mind. Now, you know, Everyone has a vibe, and that is actually a lot more than a bastardized slang observation here. Let me convince you. Um, consider it this way. Biologically, we are just energy. The connections between your brain cells and those activation patterns, just energy. Your thoughts, 
just energy. Behaviors transmitted from the brain through our bodies, just energy. Our emotions, the chemicals that do or do not fly between our synapses, just energy. Our words, the nerves and neurons that are required to form them, it's just the motherfucking transfer of energy. P.S. Biochemistry was one of the most fascinating courses I ever took. So, in a very real, material, scientific way, everything about our interactions is just energy. From the thoughts and emotions that form our words to the external behaviors we send off into the world, it's energy. I'm sorry if you hate these words, but do rest assured, I am not from California. This is not some common cultural sentiment I'm now spewing at you with no thinking behind it on my part. In fact, not a single person in my own world agrees with anything that I'm telling you right now. And I still posit, you can feel when someone's energy is similar to something you have encountered before, as in your family of origin or any number of past abusers you've engaged with, exes, bosses, shitty friends, authority figures of all varieties. They leave an energetic imprint on you that lasts forever. Now, you might be saying, Duh, the experiences with them are stored in your brain and body as memories, you woo-ass bitch. Yeah, sure. But those memories are literally, scientifically, just motherfucking energy. Your hippocampus firing off patterns of activation that correspond to the patterns with which your related neurons were programmed in the first place. That's how memory works. Nice it. We are nothing but energy. I'm sorry to tell ya. So, when we encounter someone who feels off in a way that rings through our protein husks, I believe it behooves us to question why, with a lot of somatic, that means bodily, exploration and reflection, rather than telling ourselves we're being weird or too sensitive or unnecessarily dramatic or dismissing it as probably irrelevant trauma shit. Because when it comes to relationships, none of it is irrelevant trauma shit. That little self-abandoning song and dance is exactly how we write off very valid, very red flags that we are picking up maybe on a subconscious level, and we sell ourselves into terrible situations for years as a result. So the point is, if you notice someone doesn't feel right to you, but you're not sure how to really characterize that feeling exactly, like what you sense doesn't fall into a well-defined category of commonly experienced emotions. Something about them gives you a, a tickle, a pressure, or almost a magnetic repulsion from them. I say, turn your attention inward 
to explore what memories are connected to that energetic vibe. Is it someone from your past? Is it a situation that feels eerily similar? Is it a pervasive sense of impending doom that you can't quite put your finger on? Or is it possibly something from inside of you that you hate? Like a subconscious part of your brain that was formed under pressurized circumstances. And now you're finding it's being pinged by the other person, bringing up uncomfy recollections of your own bad behavior, bad times, shameful self-assessments, etc. Or is it both? Maybe someone you used to relate with passed on their energy through your regular interactions. Now that lives inside of you in this compartmentalized, normally deeply numbed out place. And this new human that you are engaging with, well, you find yourself re-experiencing subconscious whispers of your past abuser and your own shameful recollections of who you were around them or the ways that you accidentally took on their characteristics as your own with time. Eek. But the answer is, yeah, it's, it's probably that last thing. Don't worry, though. It happens, I say, as my brain yells out the thought that makes me hate everything the most. Fuck, when left to my own trauma devices without enough conscious oversight, I am just like my mom. And that is why she makes me so ragingly uncomfortable on this kind of difficult to pinpoint energetic level. But regardless of who or what they are bringing up from your trauma tombs, I say it matters. These are things to consider before you decide to commit fully to someone who makes your teeth itch and your ribs vibrate just like mom, dad, brother, boss, ex, whoever did. Because it points towards their internal programming. The things that you can't see, that aren't being openly expressed, that they work very hard to mask, but their energy can't hide it. Your body can detect it. And it also points towards your internal programming, Things you also generally can't see. Things you usually protect yourself from. But you can't do that with your energy because your body still holds all of it. And the reason why we're both drawn to and repulsed by this individual to be on the fence about continuing a relationship with them in the first place, it's all of this. It's because we get each other as far as sharing these deep hidden wounds and trauma adaptations on some conscious or unconscious level. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a good fit for us to continue engaging with. It does not mean that they are going to want to be consciously committed to you 
or that they are willing to do all of the deep inner work that's necessary to have a relationship that isn't riddled with conflict. And that's a decision that we have to learn to make for ourselves to avoid the CPTSD relationship downfalls that we are all so familiar with. Parts of us bonding with parts of them. It doesn't always mean that it's healthy or beneficial for those pieces of our programming to be socially reactivated and validated into the future, right? Again, if that's what we were aiming for, it would be so much easier to just stay enmeshed with the family of origin, which is not what any of us is aiming for. All right. So there's kind of the quick and dirty on the necessity of believing what you feel around people is both relevant and history-based. Got a lot more details on doing the somatic work and placing it into your own past history to pinpoint what exactly you are detecting in the full episode, which, you know, is over on Patreon if you hadn't heard. Then, in the next long-ass episode of July, which is just running her fucking mouth about what she's figured out so far, we talk about doing a lot of the same internal reflection to figure out who this person might actually remind you of, but on a cognitive basis this time. Through examining the systems that they grew up in, culturally, both broadly and locally, Societally, familially, and professionally, we ask if it's possible to hypothesize about some of the adaptations that they've had to make, the roles that they've had to assume, the personality alterations that they've learned to make, and therefore the neural networks and innate patterns that they operate on to this day, oftentimes which are buried deeply below what we see on the surface. The personality bits that they might not recognize themselves, the things that they might try to keep under wraps for as long as possible for the sake of protecting them and others. So I propose that it's important to reflect on and empathize with who they had to be to survive and to be somewhat successful within the hierarchies and social pressures that they faced across their many levels of existence so far. From there, through doing these deep reflections and investigations, we can get a better idea of the changes that they've had to make in their own thoughts and behaviors, likely also their own emotions or lack thereof, and all of that is relevant, whether they still identify with those personality markers consciously or not, because those patterns are still inside of them. So that deep analysis of these social systems that they've grown up in versus who they are authentically can tell us a lot about whether we really do see things similarly or have cooperative parts inside of us, or if we behave in a complementary way or hold the same core beliefs. 
again, underneath the surface level of what they're presenting consciously, which I think we have learned concretely in 2023 so far, is really what's driving the cart for all of us. Our consciousness is actually very limited compared to all the invisible subconscious strings that are being pulled, especially in relationships. So what people present really doesn't mean much about who they're going to end up being down the line. Anyways, running through this analysis of their life histories and social systems, it'll tell us a lot about what to anticipate from them in the future. If their family operates in a particular way, with a set hierarchy, gender roles, scapegoating behaviors, or triangulation tactics, for instance, I mean, you want to take note of those things. Those programs are inside of them to this day, even if they've stated that they've turned against them, and it generally seems to be true. And I would say, those are things to definitely note before you are in the middle of a normalized relational trauma bubble, before you're part of their family, one that feels like you've been dragged backwards into your own kinship cage all over again. Plus, examining the pressures of their many concentric social circles, it also gets us closer to understanding what polarities might exist in that human's brain. For instance, if they were pressured to be someone that wasn't authentic to them, that's very likely to create some extreme parts of them with oppositional views to other parts of them. And as we learned last month, external conflict between people is actually reflective of the internal conflict inside of each person. So the opposing beliefs that they carry in their own brain, it tends to spill over into outer life because it creates such enormous strain to feel conflicts inside of your own self. They get projected outwards and therefore no issue between you is really resolvable because it's actually an issue inside of them. Dear Jesus, please hit up the past couple of months of full episodes over in the private community to hear all about this. I swear to you, it will change the way that you view other people and your relationships. So anyways, let's say it really helps to know if the person that we're engaging with is a cohesive person on the inside or if their brain is usually arguing with itself without another human even getting involved. No internal rager is a blast to be around, and there's a real good chance that they have an all-too-familiar vibe about them as well. Again, looking at you, family of origin, and all the other abusive asshats we've encountered through being social animals along these lifetimes. You with me so far? Awesome. I hope the logic tracks. 
I mean, these are big, long conversations this month that have been built on everything we've been covering so far and especially this year. Do check out the full shows to walk through the ways that I propose you can do this work with your body and brain. Maybe it will help you get clearer on who you want to relate to, why, and what really needs to change, as it has done for me, myself. But if you are on a budget, which I totally understand, let me just leave you with this simple suggestion. It's a good one for every person on earth. When a conflict or off vibe emerges in you or in life, stop, center, and deeply consider, is this actually something coming from inside of me? Ask, does this spawn a certain feeling inside where, and if I sit with it, yikes, what does it remind me of? What memories come up? Is there a pain point or extremely upsetting set of circumstances that come to mind? Do they include any negative self-judgments or self-fears about who I've been in the past or could be in the present? If the answer is yes, that's completely valid. That doesn't mean that the situation or the person is okay or you're overreacting to it. It doesn't mean you should dismiss what you're picking up. It means you should investigate it further to discover more about your own life history, your deep inner wounds, and the ways that your brain has adapted. It points to programs that you've buried deep inside yourself for good reason, that are being brought up by another person or situation. And then, you know, address that wound as best as you can through your big ass self. And also ask yourself what you can handle keeping the safety and well being of your own system at the forefront of your mind. Is this person somewhat like your dad or? the way you learned to deal with your dad in an unhealthy way, for instance, either in their energy or the logical ways that you see that they've had to learn to adapt to the pressures of earth living? Well, you gotta ask, is that something you reasonably can commit to working with through all of the future bumps in the road? Or to be honest, is that more than your own brain can handle, at least at this point in time? Knowing who your dad is, in this example, especially in conflict, does it seem likely that this new human is going to follow in his footsteps? And what does that mean? Will you be recreating the trauma pattern that you've been trying to escape all this time, forever into the future, or is it likely that being around them will make you more like your dad or like your mom or any of the other things that you have tried your hardest to fucking avoid? Woof. Rough points, I know. But through reflecting this thoroughly, top down and bottom up, you will learn a lot about 
you. You'll get clearer on what you need in relationships on a granular level, and you'll avoid the trauma trap that is committing and becoming enmeshed with someone who is unhealthy before you know what you're really going to be up against, what parts you'll perpetually be dealing with from them, from yourself, from the both of you. So the message this month is honor your own instincts, your memories, and the ways that they wind through your body. Don't disregard your own history or the lessons that you have already learned, even on a subconscious level. Also, don't disregard what we've learned on an informational basis about the transmission of beliefs, narratives, behaviors, and personality parts from abuser to abusee. Or the likelihood of you responding in similar ways to those similar situations, ways that you're really trying to rewire out of your brain. And also, we have to remember to honor their experience. Assess the life factors and obstacles this other person had to endure and empathize with the ways their brain was likely impacted forever after. You can find compassion for people, even if it helps you realize that you don't necessarily like who it's made them into, even if they aren't healthy for you to be around, you still probably want to understand why. Remember, your needs and safety are as valid as their experiential learnings and make your decisions from there. I think the potential for a healing, healthy, mutually committed relationship will be a lot less foggy at that point. Like I always say, though, I don't know. I'm no fucking expert, but this is what works for me. Relationships are a huge part of healing from trauma, but that doesn't mean we have to throw ourselves to the wolves and hope for the best, especially if we have ways to detect what's actually under that sheep's clothing. And I have to say, we fucking do. All right, that's what I've got for you this month, fuckers. I'll see you in the private blank and fort. That is the Patreon community. If you want all of the details from these heavy months of information and learning together about relationships, they really have changed my whole perspective. And we'll be back here in a week or two to keep talking about these relational discoveries, hangups, and workarounds with brains full of human trauma. I'll see you then and there. And in the meantime, hail your damn self. Hail Archie. And cheers, y'all. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.